This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bearers. Farmed animal sanctuaries are a place of healing and hope. But the creation and management of a farmed animal sanctuary can be an overwhelming process with lives at stake. Sarian and Hugo Slabbert in 2019 started the charitable People Ensuring Animal Care Exists, or PEACE, to provide vital resources for farmed animal rescue and care in Western Canada. PEACE provides rescue support, resources for sanctuaries and their volunteers, and humane education for the public. They even have a podcast, Equilibrium by Peace, to discuss issues from the perspective of farmed animal sanctuaries. To share the story of peace, the importance of sustainable sanctuaries, and how everyone can make a difference for their local farmed animal sanctuary, Sarian Slabbert recently joined Defender Radio. Let's get started with the beginning of People Ensuring Animal Care Exists. Uh, the reason we're chatting sort of at the foundation of it all, could you share the story of then to now or before then to then to now? Before then to then to yeah, now. Yeah, so there's, there's some kind of a tense <laughs> issue there, but it's fine. What's going? No, no, no. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, yes, thank you so much. Um, I actually can say our son started it when he was in kindergarten. Um, he, We were standing outside and he went to my mom did you know I'm the only vegan kid in my classroom? And I said, yes, buddy, like, that's just how it is. And he's like, okay, well, everybody's hurting animals. They're eating them, we should tell them. And I had this fear inside of me, just like, my, I'm like, no, you can't, you can't yeah. do that. Like, people are gonna be mad at you, all that kind of stuff. And it's my own insecurities um, for being vegetarian and vegan for a very long time, like um, not wanting to offend anybody. Um, but whenever there's an uncomfortable situation, I love looking at it and saying, why am I uncomfortable in this? What, what can I learn out of this situation? Absolutely. And so I looked into activism and um, got more involved actually because of him then in activism, because I was uncomfortable with the feeling of an activist. Like, cause there's always like this um, negative connotation with activists, like, but they're like the most sweetest nicest people that I've ever met and I wanted to learn why there is this negative energy sometimes with regards to it um so I got involved with activism and I'm like I said I met so many amazing people and through that I learned about farm sanctuaries and got involved in two rescues at the middle to end of 2018 and realized, especially in BC, there is no organization specifically geared and ready for farmed animal rescue. They have the trucks ready, they have the trailer ready. Um, and every single time this rescues would come up, it was this crazy thing. All the sanctuaries got tagged in on social media, which overwhelms them emotionally mm -hmm. and constantly having to reply. Um, so my type A personality set in and my background is event planning. And so, so it just, it just was a natural fit. And mm -hmm. honestly, I knew it was going to be a lot of work. We knew the group of us that started peace knew it was going to be a lot of work, but it was one of those situations where every single time a rescue or something would happen, we like, somebody really needs to start an organization dealing with this. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Somebody needs to do it. 
And um, it really got to a point where just like, okay, fine, we have to do it. Um, Carrie um, Shogun from a Little Wayne Bank sat me down and was like, you need to start this. And I said, okay, I will if you're a part of it, because I don't want to go at this alone. Yeah. Um, and so she, I made her be one of our first board members. Um, so Isn't that how, how all first board members become first board members? Because yes. your friend has an idea and says, okay, but you got to be a board member. Yes, if yeah. you're going to be, but that's my thing. If you come to me with an idea, you need to be willing to take all that idea as well with me. Like, you know, I'm willing yeah. to do the work, but don't just give me like, oh, this sucks, this sucks. You need to come at me with a, a solution and then we can tackle that together. Um, so yeah, my husband just woke up one morning and said, peace. And I was just like, what? And he's like, people ensuring animal care exists. And we're like, done. And so that's how, that's how peace kind of started we're not realizing there's a lot of organizations out there with the name peace and then <laughs> <laughs> so it probably was not the best choice but mm. um it kind of summarizes our vision and mission and everything as well right so yeah got the truck got the trailer and the rest as they say is history yeah and now you you offer lots of different resources and clicking around the website which i'm doing right now and it's it's i know it looks weird because i'm in a dark room with with see-through glasses on so the reflection of everything i'm doing is really obvious no, uh, and i apologize good. for that all right no. um but uh you, there's so many different things here and i don't know where to start honestly I it's, as i look at it, it's just like it's everything it's everything you could really need to know in terms of sort of getting started with a sanctuary um, as well as how to deal with various issues. So uh, let's let's start with the rescue, because I think that sounds very much like that's where you started the vision of all the of this. foundation. Yeah, the startup yeah. piece. Yeah, we've got so many different programs. So Peace, Peace Rescue started mainly because we were looking to kind of streamline, re streamline rescue a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, make it a little bit more easier for people. And so started an Excel spreadsheet, contact sanctuaries that we quarterly update with them here in um, BC, especially uh, about what their current capacity is. Because um, one thing that we also really want, which is part of our vision, vision, which is a compassionate work for all sentient beings, supported by the ethics of veganism, but modeled by sustainable farm sanctuaries. And I think sustainability within farm sanctuary also means support for the founders and the people running the sanctuaries and realizing one of the hardest things in that space is saying no to rescues. And yes. especially with farmed animal rescue, it's such a huge, huge space of need. And it's ever going, it's never gonna stop. We're never gonna rescue our way out of this. So having the support for farm sanctuary operators to be able to say no and being that buffer between those really hard emails when you get all the sob stories and all the 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 hard wording like I remember this one time somebody said to me if you don't take them we're gonna harvest it and I was just mm -hmm. like ah they're not a plant like don't harvest so yeah. it's just like it, it can be in a very big emotional toll for sanctuary operators or anybody in the space so yeah, creating that kind of buffer for them that the requests come to us through an online form. We try and get as much information as we can and then we present it to them. And if there's space, then we we specifically contact them just about the individuals that they've previously said that they have space for. Um, 
and then we we give support it started off with just that we cover the cost mm -hmm. of the transport um which also then extended into medical and any spays or neuters and now as well especially with the new property which makes us so excited is that we cover any cost or need for a biosecurity like a quarantine and foster space to be able to keep them for a couple of weeks so we can get the blood work done especially especially um if individuals are coming out of animal ag um we want to make sure everybody's healthy um and in a good shape because un one of the concerns is you take an individual into a sick individual into a space of your already residence and then yeah. they're full of disease and that can spread to everybody else and we don't want that we want to create a better system for that so that's how rescue the rescues part is right now it's incredible and speaking of the some of this stuff the biosecurity and things like that so i i'd like to get into some of that because i think it's things that maybe aren't thought about or known no. about by the general public at all no. and as you've said and we get these emails as well and the fur bears are not a frontline rescue organization we don't go out and help with wildlife unless we have like we are all volunteers and we yeah. all work with other groups. So individually we may go out, but the organization itself does not play that role. We, we are on the education policy advocacy side of it. Mm -hmm. um, and we still get those emails and to have to write back and say, we just don't do that is heartbreaking every mm -hmm. time because the email on the person emailing you is desperate. They, and as you said, it's if you don't say yes, this animal is going to die. And mm -hmm. I am off a lot of social media as a result of that kind of posting because yes. I, I can't manage that in my day to day life to be constantly besieged with rescue this dog or rescue this donkey. It's too much for me emotionally. So I support groups like Peace, where the work is being done and someone there has the tools to ensure that the best help is happening. But from that point of view, now that I've just had that little mental unraveling for 10 seconds, <laughs> how do you talk to folks who are interested in getting involved? Because when, when you and I first sort of started talking, that was the thing that I see as a major issue in terms of sustainability. And we see this in wildlife rescue and in pet rescue across the board of this ability to say no and stay in operation for those you can help. How do you start that conversation? I feel like I just did it, but how do you start that conversation <laughs> compassionately, maybe rather uh, than gently, uh, on a podcast with with the general public or people who wants to be doing this work? I, I think the hard thing. So do you mean for people already in the space or you mean for people who want to get into the space? Yeah, pe people who are interested or maybe someone who has rescued an animal and is now in the mindset of I want to do this as my life. Yeah, no, um, one of the things we offer, which is on our website is under resources, which is the one of the programs. We've done a couple of webinars with some amazing folks about um, starting a farm sanctuary. Uh, there's a, a really good one called Food for Thought that we did with Open Farm, Open Sanctuary Project as well, which tackles some of the harder things like saying no. Um, there's also um, a roadmap we created, a farm sanctuary roadmap. And I think the, the 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 idea between behind the roadmap is that we really want people to see it's not just about taking having the space, taking a rescuing a cow and cuddling with them. Like there's so much organizational side to running a farm sanctuary, and we want, want people to know that because it can become overwhelming and hard. And 
So there is resources and webinars and doing these podcasts, talking to you about it mm -hmm. is really important so that people know that this is a hard space to be in. Saying no, we can't stop anybody. That's the hard part. You might see the red flags yourself. Like I'm sure you see it as well with the dogs and cats. Yeah. Um, but you can't say anything. You can't do anything. You can try if you have a relationship with that individual to have a compassionate conversation about it. But um, it is such a hard space to be in. For anybody who's interested, the best thing to do is go volunteer at an established farm sanctuary for a year. So you see through all the seasons what, what kind of physical work it is, because it's not just mentally saying no, but it's also being outside in minus whatever, wherever you live, trying to make sure nobody's dying from frostbite and yeah. things like that. So there's so much more to sanctuary life than just the, the this idealistic social media image that everybody sees, right? So yeah. doing that or interning, especially getting involved with behind the scenes things, farm sanctuaries always look for help with accounting, social media, anything, you know, think of running a business all those things have to happen in the background for nonprofits as well, right? So I think that's the best way to kind of learn. I've been very fortunate that for myself, I have an amazing support system. Mm -hmm. um, one of the big things that you can have at a farm sanctuary, if you establish one, is kind of having that it doesn't fall on one person. Intake doesn't fall on one person. You create yeah. an intake policy. And that if an individual comes in, you look through all the questions, the Open Sanctuary Project, again, amazing organization, we always plug them. Um, they have an intake form that you can look at and answer all these questions. Do I have experience taking care of this individual? Do I have the proper land? Um, do I, is there a doctor, a vet close by that can actually take care of this species? Because that's another concern we have. Yeah. Is the vets, right? So is there a local vet that actually knows how to deal or is willing to work with a sanctuary because most farm vets work with the industry and some might not want to work with the vegans in the space, mm -hmm. you know? So you, there's so much more to this that um, is very important. But yes, going back, we need that support system and intake form. So it doesn't fall on one person. It's a group of people saying no. And then also that policy creates a sense that you're not saying no. It's as an organization, this doesn't fall within what you can accomplish right now so yeah yeah and i think that's that actually is great advice for any business or nonprofit. frankly yes. of if you create these sort of conditions under which you will take on additional projects it can save you and your team a lot of heartache not just in the animal world i mean like if you run a staples and you have those types of rules, it helps. And in fact, it actually gives me the imagery of a coach on the sideline of a football game, or for my non-sports fans, um, the uh, episode of Parks and Rec Recreation, uh, where Leslie Nope has the binder for doing canvassing, and it's every possible response, she's got a page for it, and you flip to that page, and then you read the line, yes. and it's... It, it makes sense to me to have those. And of course, you need to be adaptable, you need to be flexible, but to have these policies and these procedures so as you said, it doesn't fall on one person, and that's also huge. It is massive in succession management and planning, which is something I am terrified for, for the people I know who are involved in large scale stuff like this. Uh, yeah, because it's not on people's it's not on people's radar, right? Like they don't mm -hmm. think they think they're infallible. They think they're going to be here forever. Um, and it, it, it's so scary how many 
established sanctuaries or even young ones because there's such a low barrier of entry into the space like that anybody can start a farm sanctuary and just do whatever they want there's no accountability and that's why as an organization we always champion the the global federation of animal sanctuaries it's a volunteer accreditation that somebody can take and one of the things that they help you is establishing a succession plan um, mm -hmm. so that you make sure not just like oh yeah if i'm tired of this i'm sure peace will take care of it or i'm sure like this sanctuary will take my animals i'm like no everybody's full if not over full it is scary to think mm -hmm. how many people do not have any plans in place yes yeah and for those who who aren't familiar succession management is it, it is uh, i'm sure i'm thinking of military terminology which isn't helpful <laughs> now uh it's effectively if something happens to the person who's in charge there is a literal plan in place for how they will be replaced and how everything will continue to run and yes. again this is the kind of thing that i think is very common in large-scale corporate environments in the military even in sports lineups with with a lot of depth on a team again like football uh, it's a next man up mentality, which is the the term, the old term that I would use. And I am awaiting a new term, if anyone has one, uh, <laughs> for that concept. Uh, when you look at some of the other uh, uh, content you have on your website, it's it's very interesting that you are offering such a broad amount uh, of information. And my initial thought is that's so much, why would you need it? But then I think again of how complex farm sanctuaries are. And you were speaking to those day-to-day -day tasks and the things you may not consider through the seasons. What are some of the ones that you have been surprised by as someone who's gone through this process or you've heard from others that's like, I had no idea I had to do this part of that job? Anything nonprofit. Honestly, I think <laughs> it's honestly no, because honestly, like it's almost like the artist being really good at being artistic, like creating the sculptures, creating the art, this yeah. is, but not being good at managing their books or yeah. the, the do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so 100 percent. So the, the individuals who have the heart who's really good with the animals and like is really good with animal care it's not their strength to go and do all that nonprofit and charity stuff yeah. per se and it is overwhelming because um just the day like just the 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 filings all the things that even these policies and procedures the first time i had to write a policy i was just like what and i think it's like for everybody you're so if it's not if it's a new space and you're learning, um, it can be overwhelming when you're like, oh, I have to create a policy. Like, am I gonna get in trouble for writing the wrong thing or anything like yeah. that? But it, you have to take those things on. And as soon as you've done a couple, you're like, oh, now I get why it's so easy. It's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But that's why we wanna offer that support because we want people to do the best, be the best, do best practices because it's for them, the individuals that they're rescuing, you're doing this for them. Uh, and keeping them safe and putting in all these policies and procedures and being a nonprofit um, is in a sense to create sustainability so that you can continue on or the sanctuary can continue on after you. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you need to create that foundation for your organization so that it's strong so that you can hand it off to somebody else. And yeah. I think that's not a mentality a lot of people go into the space into they want to I, be forever absolutely and I, I 
I don't think that's in any way a criticism. And if I no. am a person who does the work with the animals, I would certainly not take it as a criticism because I'm not a type A person. I'm a type like W or something. I don't know what I am. <laughs> but, you know, I'm neurodivergent. I've got the ADHD and all of the things. So I, I've got all kinds of systems in my life for things to make sense to me and for me to be able to manage. And so for me, it makes sense in the workplace to create all of those systems to manage all the information. I was joking. I've been setting up interviews all week and I'm using a uh, calendar appointment subscription service thing. I've been booking interviews for 20 years and I never knew it could be this easy. I've got like, I sent out a bunch of emails and then I just had interviews booked. It was done. It was incredible. Um, but that's one of those things. I love talking to people. I love editing. I love doing all of the work. But some of the administrative stuff for me then just falls in the cracks because it's so there's so many little things I need to keep my eye on. And I think any system that can exist to help people, particularly in a farm sanctuary, particularly in a very hands-on or field work-based environment, right? Like if I were to be an advisor to any number of nonprofits, I'd say the first thing you should spend money on is an administrator. Yes. Before yes. anything else, just yes. someone to organize stuff for you. Like get your fundraising in place, sure. But then an administrator to actually manage things, make sure there's money in the bank, make sure your bills are getting paid, make sure forms are being submitted on time. Uh, and again, you've got resources here that are terrific on charitable giving and fundraising and managing the CRA can be very intimidating because they've got very specific reporting requirements. Mm -hmm. But as you said, there's a lot of people out there who have that skill set and exactly. love sanctuaries. So, exactly. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like you need to have that foundation and the people surrounding you um, to be in place, to be able to support all these different things. So it's almost like the artists can flourish and do the art while the others help and support. Yes. And I've been flipping through the website, uh, looking at all the different pages and finding the, the individual talking points I had again. And honestly, what I really want people to do is go to Peace Canada, P-E-A-C-E, Canada.org. The links are in the show notes and just click around because there is so much awesome stuff here. Just on this one resources for public at the bottom of the page, start a fam farm sanctuary link, find a farm sanctuary in your area, how to help farm sanctuaries, wish lists of Canadian vegan farm sanctuaries, other non other Canadian non-human animal rescues, peace, humane resources for teachers and parents. All just in a nice colorful list on one page. And it's yeah. just, you just got to go and check it out, really. Um, and then there's also, of course, the the online store and support buttons people should click too. Um, but I want to talk a bit about the podcast as well. Um, so Equilibrium by Peace Podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk. How did, how did this one start and uh, where are we at? Where we're at? Yeah, no, um, it kind of started as a idea that... Um, feedback actually that we got because we started with the webinars and mm -hmm. me being a visual person I loved people putting on webinars but then the feedback we got was that for sanctuary operators or anybody in rescue you're always outside you're always mucking stalls you're busy and so putting on a podcast to just listen to while you're busy doing chores is really the ideal way to get that information out to them. And so that's how the podcast kind of, we switched from the webinars to more of a podcast setup to have these conversations. And um, yeah, it's just my geeking out about knowledge share, honestly. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted to be able to, 
talk about all the things that I've experienced and people I've met. And it's just, it's hard because sometimes when somebody, one, one advice, some advice I got one time is sometimes when somebody's in a specific field, they're very in that space, especially if they're higher up and they think whatever knowledge they have in their head, everybody just knows. Yes. And they think it's irrelevant. Like they were like, of course, everybody knows this. Like, and so it's trying to pick out those conversations that I know I've had, I've had with other people that have way more knowledge than me on certain like subjects and picking out those conversations so that we can knowledge share it with everybody in the world within the sanctuary space, farm sanctuary specifically, animal rescue, but also possible some vegan stuff. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the the subjects you have, you have four episodes listed on your website, and it's um, conversation with the open sanctuary team about micro sanctuaries and a conversation with Jessica Harris from Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries about keeping the dream alive. The one that I'm looking forward to re-listening to, I listened to on the weekend, but my back was bugging me, so I didn't pay attention to anything, is <laughs> a conversation with Jimmy Videl about veganic farming and the sanctuary poop problem. Yes. Um, and that, why don't we talk a little bit about that one? Because okay. that's, that's going to lead into another conversation we're going to have for the Switch, which folks will be able to find on this feed as well. But it is something that I would not have thought about until you said, of course, you're going to deal with it eventually if you jump into this, but especially if you jump in without looking, um, yes. which is a joke within a joke, I think. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that's the correct answer. <laughs> um, so let's talk about poop. Why? It, it, again, it's a thing I wouldn't think is a problem, but there's a lot of practical and ethical considerations. Yes, manure management mixed in with land management. It's such mm -hmm. a, it's, it, again, it's one of those things that as if you want to start a farm sanctuary, you don't think about like the amount of things you have to think about. And yeah, it's, it's, it's it, for an, from an environmental impact, that's one of the things that is a concern within animal ag, the amount of manure being produced by farming. And mm -hmm. The bigger I remember this from vet vet when I was a vet assistant, the bigger the dog, the bigger the poop, the bigger the vet bill. So yeah. the same with with <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the same with farm sanctuaries. The bigger the individual, the bigger the poop, the more manure you have to deal with. And especially cows, like they just are bovine buddies. They they just constantly they there's just so much manure. So you don't want to be the reason why waterways are getting polluted because you're putting your poop in the wrong space and it's quite leaching into the underground water or, you know, there's just so many things to consider. And so the fun thing with um, our conversation that we're going to have, which is a consideration with regards to biogas as an option for sanctuaries to be able to convert that um, manure into um fertilizer and compost and everything like that um is creating a system at your sanctuary where you can use that manure for certain things at your space so let's say if you have enough space which might not happen on the west coast here because land is so expensive i don't know about your i think ontario is pretty expensive too it's just more the middle yeah we've we've got a little more space for growth than bc does yeah so it's a little too too expensive here but if you have a field and you do do ro ro rotational grazing you mm. can use that manure after it's composted and spread it on the field to help with the growth um but um what if you're looking at putting a veganic farm which is what we we talked to jimmy vidali about 
the the whole premise of veganic farming which is vegan organic farming is that there's no animal product input so yeah. as a sanctuary you, if you're going to use that manure to grow veg you just can't call it veganic farming per se because there is that ethical dilemma with regards to taking a species that's been so exploited and still is so exploited and using them in any form any any part of them and using them um so that's a, that's a that's a dilemma every sanctuary has to come up with themselves like decide for themselves what fits within their vision and their mission um but it was such a fun conversation jimmy's such a character and he's so knowledgeable about it um and we're going to be starting a veganic farm here as well so that's awesome. why i was just like jimmy let's talk <laughs> yeah, that's that's the greatest part about having a podcast, an interview-based podcast, or being a journalist, uh, for me was the case for a long time, is you can really just ask anyone anything. And it's so much fun that you get to do that. And then yeah. people in your regular life are like, why do you keep asking me questions about this? And it's like, why aren't you just answering them? Like, yeah. this is what the world is. I ask questions and people give me answers. Yeah. And then I remember that I'm not wearing like my fedora with the little press tag in it or something. And they Aww. don't know why I'm asking questions. Yeah. And it's so fun. And it's all of like, again, I'm coming back to, I'm going to be a broken record, knowledge sharing, right? Like mm -hmm. it's all about just learning more and doing better. So. Absolutely. So I encourage people to look that up. Um, and do you have any upcoming events you want to plug? Do you have anything else you want to plug before we wrap? No, no. Well, if anybody's in the Fraser Valley Mission area and they want to get involved, we have a lot of big projects because the project, the property that we just moved to here in March, we want to do a veganic farm. So anybody interested in learning more about veganic farming and want to get involved can come out. Um, we have big projects for like fixing up the barn to be a rescue and medical space. Um, awesome. So yeah, just look at, follow us on social media and get involved if you are local. So, or not local, if you want to get involved, get involved. <laughs> to get in touch with Sarian or Peace Canada, visit peacecanada.org or find them on social media. The Equilibrium Podcast by Peace Canada can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts or with the links provided in the show notes for this episode. I want to thank Sarian for our great chat and all she and Hugo do for the animals. I'd also like to thank you for listening. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen, and to share your favorite episodes with friends to help the show grow. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears. Thank you for listening. <laughs>